0: All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. And today we're going to, oh, not today, because the day has already started, right? But uh, for what's remaining of this half hour, we're going to be turning our attention to the Electoral electoral Amendment Bill. And this conversation is brought to you by the Parliament of South Africa. Mr. Brandon Pillay is a member of Parliament's Portfolio Committee on Home Affairs. And we're talking about what then uh, this Electoral Amendment Bill is and the public hearings uh, that are scheduled to be held. Mr. Pillay, good morning to you.
1: Good morning and thank you very much for having me.
0: I think a a good place to start will be with the basics. What is uh, the Electoral Amendment Bill?
1: So the Electoral Amendment Bill comes as a result of the Constitutional Court ruling uh, in June 2020 by the One uh, Nation Movement And the Constitutional Court then ruled that the Electoral Act um, of 1998 was unconstitutional and needed to be amended in order to accommodate for independent candidates to contest the general elections.
0: So this is a case, of course, that uh, has gotten the interests of, of the country at large because it has a significant uh, impact on what the electoral structure, effectively, of the country may be looking forward. Now, when it comes to the uh, electoral amendment, with, when it comes to the electoral act, right, what impact does that have on South Africans?
1: So the Electoral Act in its current form, uh, which is the Electoral Act 73 of 1998, um, only allows for political parties currently. And hence, after the court ruling, there was a need to be able to uh, amend the Electoral Act. So basically what it's saying is that you have to now make amendments to the current act to accommodate for them. And the impact that has is that it will allow for independent candidates to contest both the national and provincial legislatures um, come the general election.
0: Now, now, we know that, again, because of the amount of interest that there has been when it comes to this particular uh, piece of legislation, there is process generally that is followed by Parliament when lawmaking. I'm assuming that the process of lawmaking is still the same, regardless of the interest uh, that there may be in, in what the outcome of this amendment is.
1: Absolutely. So the court gave, the, gave Parliament 24 months to be able to make these or effect these changes. Um, what then happened was that the minister set up a ministerial advisory committee uh, to be able to advise on the matter and look at the different options and look at also researching how best we can be able to, to do this. Um, and they presented a, a report to committee. Um, we then got to, to the amendments that are reflected in this amendment bill, and the minister then presented it to parliament we then called for written submissions between the 21st of January and the 21st of February. Uh, and this was obviously after the bill was translated or, or into all of the official languages. So it was uh, in all of the official languages, it was available for comment. And thereafter, we had two days of oral submissions on a virtual platform before we started the public hearing, which is, across the entire country in all nine provinces.
0: When you look at some of the submissions you've had so far, talk to us about what um, what the general sentiment has been when it comes to the proposed changes.
1: So there are differing views and I think it's important to note that because as Parliament and as the portfolio committee we have not made any decisions on the on, 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 on which system, or which process needs to be followed, mm. uh, what we are doing is listening to submissions that are being made. And there's two differing views. The one that says, leave the electoral the electoral system sorry, in its current form, the way it is, and just allow for independent candidates to be accommodated. So you allow for them to contest the space, and they'll be able to acquire a seat either in the provincial legislature or the national assembly. And while that submission is being made, and those who support the amendment, there's also a growing call that says independents should be treated the same as political parties because they're contesting for the same seat. So, irrespective of whether you're a party or an independent, you're still trying to acquire a seat in the in, in the legislature. So, then you must be treated the same. You must be paying the same deposits, but also you must be able to show that you have support and that. You must be able to garner enough support in the form of signatures or submissions. And then there is a view that says we should go to a uh, constituency-based representation, mm. where members of parliament are elected directly through constituencies and that they are accountable to constituencies. So those are the, for me, I would think, uh, the two main points or the main views that have been expressed through the hearings
0: the 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 other issue that has come up in 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 some of these hearings so far has been the question around you know the extent to which the opening up of the political space will actually strengthen democracy and and there is a view that when you have individuals that are running then it makes it very difficult to hold those individuals accountable versus if they belong to a party and there are those frameworks in place. I mean, do you think that this is uh, is something that you are going to have to take into account um and i wonder how you 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 would be able to sure. to to make considerations around that because th- there's nothing that suggests to us today that people who are in parties are held more accountable that's, than somebody who would be running as an independent
1: you know i must say that um in the eastern cape and you've just completed the leg of eastern cape mm. It was one of the strongest views that came out in those presentations, especially in Rebeja, where the community and citizens were actually saying, you know, they were actually rejecting the inclusion of independence altogether. They were saying uh, in every one of the submissions, they don't see a need for it. And secondly, they are already having challenges at a local government level, at a municipal level where they have independent candidates that are not performing ones that have made promises that they've not kept two uh, but also that they're just not accountable to anyone and it's becoming difficult to even get service delivery at a local level now that imagine the magnitude of that at a provincial or national level now that was something that came out from a public hearing where ordinary citizens are saying they have a serious challenge about this accountability and they're also saying If we're going to allow the space to be open to an extent where we don't have criteria and narrow it down a bit, we're going to end up with not just a ballot paper, but we're going to have a ballot book. And you're going to end up having elections Mm. over a week because you're going to have to vote for thousands of candidates on on, on the ballot.
0: And and that's such an, an, an interesting aspect because if you were to have a criteria, for what an independent candidate needs to possess in order to run. Does that then also become applicable to the individuals who are running for public office within parties as well? Because... We know that there are some who have risen to very high you know leadership positions that don't necessarily have a particular background in education that don't have hold specific qualifications. So even this idea of a criteria, what would go into uh, that criteria, and how are you uh, as 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 you know as the committee that is running these processes and 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 holding these hearings, how are you going to try and and flesh that out?
1: So I think important, we must understand criteria does not equal qualification, so mm. it was not submission that said there must be a post metric um, qualification in order for one to qualify. no criteria in that you must show support. Now, there's a difference. Political parties are already registered. They have a history of contesting elections, both general and local government. They have a track record in the sense of having been present. Now, what you find is new parties or independents, and this is not new because, remember, in the local government sphere, independents already contest elections. So when this happens, And and this is, I'm saying, from submissions. It's not my view. It's from submissions that were made that said they should be able to show support. So they must be able to garner signatures that must be verified from registered voters that says that they are going to support this independent candidate. Because imagine having to say you're allowed to register as independent and there's no threshold that you must meet, or or there's no requirement in terms of the number of people that must support you. That means every person that applies to be an independent candidate will have to be on the ballot. So I think there has to be that checks and balances in order for one to be able to qualify. But at the same time, it must be a process that is fair to both an independent and a political party. And I think those are some of the submissions that did come in. Um, The other thing is that political parties are required to pay a deposit. And members of the public are saying if an independent is contesting, then there must be a deposit as well. And that the deposit should not be different because the seat is the same. So whether it's a provincial seat or a national seat, you are still contesting for a seat. Uh, hence, because there are some political parties that get only one seat. That will be equivalent to an independent acquiring a seat in the legislature. Mm-hmm. So the deposits then should be the same for both independent parties um, and for political parties, and the other thing is that they should have at least some track record in community and having worked at a level of community.
0: And and, and what what does that track record entail?
1: So this is this is submissions. Uh, there was no. Detail,
0: oh, okay. Okay. So, so people just made submissions that there must yeah, be a yeah, track record. Yeah. Remember
1: that the committee has mm. not made any decision, Yes, yes, yes. And I'm yes, not here yes. to punt any view. Yes, fair I'm enough. I'm going to present to you what I have been listening to as chair of the session from the different
0: submissions being made, mm. and, and and you know again I- even the issue of community service, a work in community, something like that. Once it 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 it, it applies to independent candidates, uh, the assumption then, of course, is that it would need to apply to to everyone else that is that is holding office. And are you finding that the more that you evaluate these submissions, the more that perhaps there'll be a need to make. Are the changes to the current order as a result of whatever the, is going to go into these amendments
1: yes yes and i'll give you i'll give you one very simple example mm-hmm. then there would have to be changes made to the political party funding act because remember there are submissions that are saying if political parties are receiving funding independents also receive funding so they must also disclose The funding that they receive, and also they must be able to get financial support, just like how political parties get financial support. So yes, indeed, this amendment bill will have to then give rise to other acts and other policies that may have to be amended or changed to accommodate for this. And again, you are right. If there is something that says this criteria and it applies to political parties, then the same would have to then apply to independents and vice versa. So. If it's going to be uh, applying to independents, it will then apply the same to political parties. Mm.
0: There are those that are of the view that uh, the, the process that has been undertaken is perhaps uh, more to accommodate, as, as, as you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, the running of independent candidates, than it is to uh, transform our electoral system—that uh, you know—the th- approach is to stay as close to 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 the line of what the Act used to be than it is to say. But you know, what 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 is the door of opportunity that lies ahead for the country, and what can we do if we are to push this, perhaps even to its limit?
1: So, so let's start off with what I what what I started off by saying. Mm. This amendment bill is as a result of a court order with the New Nation Movement case that said the Electoral Act of 1998, that 73 of 1998, was unconstitutional in that it did not allow for individuals to be able to contest uh, elections, the general elections, and that in its current form, it only accommodated political parties. At no point did that say that the electoral system needs to be overhauled. So if one is interpreting, it, interpreting that differently, I think that's where the challenge rises. So there was no interpretation that said they, they, they must be or they should be. What it says is that you would have to look at how you, you include mm-hmm. um, independence. And, and for that to happen, there obviously has to be changes even to the electoral system to some extent. And and these are the the kind of submissions we are receiving in how do we do that so that, one, comply with the court order, and two, that it speaks for democracy and that it's a fair process to be able to include all citizens.
0: Let's talk about uh, the hearings then uh, and where people can still participate, at least for those that are interested in making submissions.
1: So we are at the tail end and this is the final leg of the, the public hearings. We are currently in the Western Cape. Started today, we are in Kailisha, at the Kailisha Chisong Centre. Tomorrow we move to Citrus Dhal, um and the team that's on the coastal team will be at Citrus Dal, and the team that's on the inland team will be uh, in Mossel Bay.
0: How much longer before we actually have a draft amendment bill?
1: So I would think that uh, while well, the hearing is finished in a day, uh, we will then compile a report on all submissions that were made and received. It will then be deliberated by the Portfolio Committee on Home Affairs. But bear in mind that we do have a deadline of June because that is when our 24 months uh, you know, is up. We will have to request a, an extension because the process is such that When the Portfolio Committee makes recommendations and this report is presented before Parliament, it's debated and voted on. Remember, there are two houses of Parliament, the National Assembly and the National Council of Provinces. So the NCOP can and and may want to further engage and, and open for public participation further before finalizing the bill. All right. So there is going to be a need for an extension. But... I would think that we'll be able to, in the next month, be able to present to to, to Parliament at least on, on the findings of our public hearings.
0: Mr. Brandon Pillay, let's leave it there for this morning. Member of Parliament's Portfolio Committee on Home Affairs. It's 11 o'clock. Nomsa has the latest news.